again this uh, snowy Sunday morning. And again, I hope everybody had a great time celebrating, ushering in the new year last evening. For those of you that are the night owls, uh, uh, for the rest of you, I'm glad that you're here as well today. But I'm believing this, that we have just such a great uh, time here to, to be together. It's because of the new year. It is an opportunity for each and every one of us. I believe this as we see for new beginnings. Who's thankful that you can have new beginnings in your life and your experiences with God? And so as we begin this new year, um, we're going to be starting a new series called Resolved. Let's try this again. Now, I want to give you the definition of the word resolved here today. It's to be firmly determined to do something, firmly determined to do something. Now, I have to be honest here. When it comes to being firmly determined to do things, um, I'm not as firmly determined as I think I am or I want to be. Who here would uh, agree with me that maybe you fall into that category a little bit? You have a lot of good ideas, a lot of good plans at times, but you're not always so great at, at, at your follow-through. And I, I, I can honestly say that in my own life, that my, I wish that my track record was better on doing everything I resolved to do each year. I'm rem- I'm re- I remember a few years ago, that I was, had made a decision to go one month without eating sweets or sugar. And I remember on the second day, the second day, now who here can relate to this? On the second day, uh, without even thinking about it, I put one of those red candy Christmas peppermints in my mouth. I was just like, I was sucking on it. I was like, it's so good. Then all of a sudden, it, the reality hit me that I'd blown my resolution on day two. And I was just like, no! What happened? Why wasn't I on top of this? Well, we many times make promises to ourselves, sometimes knowing, knowing, we're hoping that we're going to keep them, but we realize that we probably won't. Um, but, but I know this, we all have the greatest of intentions, but we're not always the best at follow through, right? So the question is, when we come to a new year, we look at this clean slate, 2017, this opportunities, opportunities abound. We even heard even prophetically today, God has not forgotten about us. God has great plans for us. He wants to do more. And some of you are like, pastor, I've heard that before. What do we do with all of these things? How do we do it? Well, sometimes we can kind of go, is it even worth trying again? That's why we say, well, let's try this again. Should we even try it again? It can be especially hard if it's been a difficult year or years for you. Or you've watched yourself make those mistakes over and over again. Now, I don't want this to be another series or another talk where we talk about what we should be or that we should do this. But I want to put some practical steps into place so that we can be more successful in accomplishing our plans and our goals. Or really the goals and plans that God has for each one of us to fulfill. And I believe in order to do this, We need to be able to build self-trust or trust that we will do what we intended to do. The first person you have to trust is that you can do what God's called you to do, amen? And I want you to know that I believe you can do whatever God puts in your heart and that God believes that you can do whatever he puts in your heart. It's a great thing. And I believe this, if you make some mistakes or even fall behind along the way. I want you to know that it's not the end of the world. We have to understand that even though I ate that breath mint, it's not the end of the world. It's not that I f- you, f- you failed it at everything because here's the reality of it. You only need to pick yourself up again and keep going. 
Because remember, life is a journey full of challenges, missteps, and even adventure. So here's the push. Let's not be discouraged, but let's try doing what we believe we should do. Can I hear an amen for that? I believe that we should not be discouraged, but we need to get up, keep going, and move forward in our lives. So here's what I believe. For those of you who were, for whom 2016 was great, I want you to know this. I believe that 2017 is going to be better. And for those whom 2016 was not so good, thank goodness 2017 has arrived. Yeah? So today we're going to look at some things in the Bible. And kind of what we're going to study over the next few weeks is a little bit of the life of Daniel. I love Daniel. Daniel is one of my favorite Bible characters in the whole Bible. He was just, it was awesome to read about his life. And so um, we're going to look at Daniel, who's, this book is located, for those who maybe aren't familiar with everything in the Bible, it's located near the end of the Old Testament, and it's filled with great accounts of God using a man and his friends to do incredible incredible miracles in the nation of Babylon. And so we're going to start here today in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, say that five times really fast, it came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then king, the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's of the royal family and other royal noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with the knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the king's food and was given, that was given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So the word determined here in verse 8 could also be that he resolved himself not to defile himself. We have to understand a little bit of the background about Daniel and his three friends. First of all, the story of Daniel starts with King Nebuchadnezzar invading Judah. As part of the takeover, he decides to grab some of the young men of nobility to be servants in his court. Now, it sounds like a great plan, but here's the catch. In order to serve in the royal court, each one of them had to become eunuchs. 
Now, I don't want to get into too much of that here with all the kids sitting around, but those of you that understand things, that they, took, they, they, got, they got rid of their manhood, basically, was the, the whole idea here. Uh, not a great trade-off, you know, if you want to have a little bit of the king's uh, turkey and mashed potatoes, this is what you're going to trade for it. Now, I guess on some levels it was better than giving up their life, but that's what they had to go through. So I would say this, this would not have been a good year for Daniel and his three friends. First, they were uprooted from their families and were, uh, who many of them probably most likely were killed. Their parents, uh, their, their relatives were probably killed. Secondly, they were taken from their home and moved to a completely new country, away from things that they'd always known. And thirdly, they were, you know, became eunuchs. They had become uh, sexually mutilated to serve the king. Now, growing up Jews, these young men most likely would have only served Jehovah their whole life, and it would have been understandable that they had followed God, they had served God, but felt maybe betrayed by God. You know, all of these things happened to them. They kind of maybe felt a little bit let down or abandoned. But Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, made a decision, resolved themselves, not to defile themselves by eating the king's food. They, they made a decision that they would only eat vegetables and drink water. Now, that would be quite a challenge. I mean, we're talking about the greatest kingdom on the earth at that time, Babylon. They had everything that you could ever want. That was delicacies. It was probably some of the greatest feasts every day. Eating at the king's table was a, a place of, man, it didn't get any better than that. But yet, Daniel and his three friends understood that it would not be pleasing to God to partake of that, that that would have been things that they shouldn't have done. There, were, there was food in there that would have been unclean or against their religious beliefs. It would have been easy for them to give up. And from the story, we can determine that there were a lot of other young men that had been pulled into the nobility, but they didn't follow the same practices that Daniel did. They they, they jumped into it uh, probably like crazy. But these three amigos decided and resolved themselves to live differently. And it says this, but after a time of testing, they were proven to be better. If we look at uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, it says at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for the others, God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to inter interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. I want to say this, that whatever we resolve ourselves not to do, when we feel like God is speaking to us to add something or take something out of our life, I believe this, that at the end of our testing, you will always be better. You'll be stronger. You will gain things. You'll gain wisdom and insight that you didn't have here. So I believe this, that resolutions build our resolve. And I would say this, that every one of us probably could use a little bit more resolve in our life. It will only make us stronger, healthier, smarter, and most times even wiser. So here's, for me, some things that I've been feeling in my own 
spirit, my own heart, my re- some of my resolutions. Like last year, really, I got to be honest, was not a great year for me. Health wasn't really great. In fact, on the first day of January last year, I was in the hospital. I was in the emergency room in uh, Strathmore with some stomach issues. Uh, my finances were, you know, they could be a little bit better. It wasn't the greatest year. Some of you might relate to that. I had a lot of plans, and it just seems like they kind of blew up in my face. So this year, though, I'm determined that this year's not going to be the same in my life. I'm, one of the things I want to do, and I'm going to do as a leader, a pastor, but just personally and professionally, is I want to I take more risk in what I do for God. Who here would like to take more risk in what God's asking you to do? I want to encourage you to do that. I want to be more passionate in my prayers and in my reach to people that are around me. I'm going to push for more boldness in engaging people who don't know Jesus. And I'm hoping that you will follow with me along and we will do the same here. I believe this. I want to see us as a church. I want to see our our reach increase by touching more children in our community and and, and seeing that God's going to do more with our our, our children, not just in this church, but outside of this church. I'm believing God that we're going to see, and we even heard the the prophetic here today, more Holy Spirit activity in all of our meetings, but especially our prayer gatherings. I want to say this, that you're going to want to come and be at prayer on the Wednesday nights because God's going to do some incredible things. And we're going to find needs in our community, and we're going to meet them. And here's the net result. I believe it's going to cause us to grow. It's going to cause us to grow numerically. We're going to see more people come. But it's going to cause us to grow as people. We're going to become stronger. We're going to become more mature in our faith. We're going to know how to walk with Jesus in every part of our lives. We're going to grow. And I believe that in the next few weeks, I'm going to show this how we're going to do this in greater detail. You see, I'm resolved to see this happening, and I look forward to doing it together with you. How about you? Are you resolved that this year is going to be different, that this year is going to be better? So how do we stay resolved? I just got four real quick things that I'm going to close my message with here. The Four things that we need to do if we want to be resolved in what God's put in our, our lives. First of all, The first P, they all start with the letter P. Today's message is brought to you by the letter P for those of you that watched Sesame Street. First of all, we're going to make a plan. Make a plan. Plan some things, first of all, that are attainable. They're maybe a little easier, like you're going to read one book this year. Uh, You're going to go for a walk twice a week. Uh, You're going to drink X number of glasses of water each day. Some goals that maybe are things that you can probably do uh, just takes a little bit of effort. But I believe you need to put some goals out there as well that are a little more risky. Like I'm going to take a college class. I'm going to learn how to speak another language. That you're going to lose 30 pounds by this date. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 5, maybe it's whatever you think that you need to do to become more healthy. You know, I've got some goals this year about losing some weight and getting healthy. You know why? It's not because I I just want to look good in, you know, my suits or whatever it is that that, that I have. It's because I learned this, that when you don't have your health, you, you can't do what God's called you to do. We need health. Maybe for some of you it's to start a new business. That's what God's challenging you to do. Or 
to connect with your neighbor or coworker once a month or something that is going to stretch you kind of beyond your comfort level. So first of all, make a plan. The second P is have some passion. Dream about the possibilities. I believe this, that if you don't have a dream in your heart right now, God wants to give you a dream, something that you can dream about. And the passion also reflects on this. Believe that you can do it with God's help. Believe you can do it. So jump in with both feet. Make them part of your prayer declarations and the things that you talk to yourself about. Come on, tell yourself, we can do this. I want you to say that. I can do this. Amen. Have some passion. The third P is this, and we all need help and strength at times that you need to maybe get a partner. So what do I say? Well, when you set some goals, when you make a plan, when you decide what you're going to do, a lot of times it's not really real until we tell somebody else about it. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of plans that I didn't do really well because, well, I wasn't quite sure about it, so I never said anything to anybody about it. I believe it's important to have somebody to hold you accountable to your plan. Give them permission to challenge you, to check up on you, to question you on how you're doing. You see, it's easy easy to rationalize what you're doing when you haven't really spoken to somebody what you plan to do. I I know this myself. Uh, When it comes to fasting, or that's the spiritual discipline of giving up food or something else for a a portion of time to just hear more clearly the word of God. I I know there's times when I'm like, you know what, I, I, I should fast for this week. Well, I didn't tell anybody about it, so then it's like, I'm going to start this week on Tuesday, but then on Tuesday I'm out. I'm driving around, and there's a super burrito for sale at taco time, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I can start tomorrow because nobody knows about what my plan was. And you know what? My seven-day, how about if I just do three days, God? Three days, that's still a long time. You see, we do, if we don't have a partner, we don't have somebody that we talk to, it's so easy for us to wiggle out of what we intended to do. Do you hear what I'm saying today? And I want to say this, that it's probably a great idea to, there's things that we work together with, we have good partnerships with our wife and our spouse, I encourage you to do that, but sometimes you maybe need somebody outside of there to help you with some of the things that are going on. It just can be healthier in that way. Now, here's my last one. I'm going to have Margo come up here. Be persistent. Resolved. I want to say this, that if you're going to set goals, you cannot be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of failure. Failure is not a bad word. We too often look at mistakes as something that are horrible. But here's where it only becomes horrible in my opinion. It only becomes horrible for two reasons. First of all, it's only horrible if it stops you from moving forward. You, you quit. You give up. You say, I, I, I can't do that. Uh, I just, it's too hard, it's too difficult, and so we stop. That, that, that's not good. Or secondly, it only becomes horrible if we don't learn anything from the mistakes that we make. You know, when I say failure, there's great books out there, and one of the great lessons out there, it's called failing forward. That we want to learn that when we make mistakes, that we learn something so that the next time we're more prepared, we're more, we're more ready for what's going to happen. 
If you miss a day or a week or, or even a month, get back on the horse. I love what Proverbs 24, 16 says, though a righteous man or woman falls seven times, they rise again. Get back up. Keep going. Don't quit. You will make it. Come on. You will make it. Are you ready to try again? I want to say this again with all my heart. I believe this. I believe this is Holy Spirit today. I believe it's been from the moment we started worship through the words, through everything that we've done through this message. You need to hear this, that whatever God's put in your heart, you can do it. And you need to tell that to yourself. You will succeed if you're willing to work at it. I love this quote from a football coach. He says, you can have a good day if you want to. It's up to you. We make choices every day. It's our choices that I'm either going to have a good day, I'm going to have a bad day. A lot of times, it's simply the choice that we make. We can't control what happens to us. We can control how we respond to it. And I say this, that I believe that we're going to hear more stories in 2017 of people being successful at God, helping them change things to grow forward. That I'm looking forward to hearing people Say, here's some goals that I set. Look at what's going on. I'm making it. I'm accomplishing it. Look what God is doing in my life. I believe it.